Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings. You know Lazy Boy as a national brand, but its Amarillo store is independently owned and operated by the Hawkins family who live right here in town. And here's the thing, they offer a lot more than just recliners. Amarillo's locally owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings has a ton of products in stock ready to take home or deliver today. So go visit the Lazy Boy of Amarillo showroom today at 3636 Sansi. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Amarillo Opera online at amarilloopera.org, to the Amarillo College Arts Program, to Amarillo National Bank, you can find them at anb.com, and to Canyon Rim Consulting at canyonrimconsulting.com. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Dora Maroney. She's the owner of Texas Ivy Antiques on 6th Street here in Amarillo. She's also a member of the nonprofit Historic 6th on Route 66 Association. Dora was born and raised here in the city. Then she moved away for several years in her young adulthood and then moved back in 1999. And since then, she's been a fixture on Historic 6th Street thanks to her antique shop. So I wanted to hear from her about working in this historic part of Amarillo, which attracts so many tourists. And you may also know that Texas Ivy Antiques experienced a fire last year, which Dora talks about, including how the community came together to help her out in the aftermath. So here's Dora Maroney. Dora Maroney, welcome to the Hamarillo Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you. I want to start with you the same way I start with all of my guests, and that's just to ask you why you're here in Amarillo in the first place. So what brought you to this area? Actually, I was born and raised here. Where are you? I, I was born in the old Northwest Texas Hospital on Route 66, so really? I can actually say I was born on 66. You're born there and you're still there today. Still here today. Do you know what brought your family to this area? My dad was originally from um, the Plainview area, and when he got out of the Navy, he had met my mom when she visited um, her aunt that lived in Crest, Texas. Okay. And so when he got out of the Navy, they just this, this is where he decided he would start. So that's what brought them here. Okay. What did he do? He was a farmer. He came here to uh, go to Amarillo College and okay. take welding classes. And uh, he worked for the city of Amarillo while he was doing that. And then him and um, his brother opened uh, Carol's Brothers Auto Sales. Okay. And then later he had Carol's Auto Sales on on 6th Street. All right. Next next to where Texas Ivy is now okay. in the so old service station that was there. All right. So where did, where did you grow up? Like where did you go to high school? I graduated from Tascosa. Okay. I, you know, and so yay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about, you know, when you were at Tascosa, when you were getting close to graduation, did you know what you wanted to do with your life? Did you have any sort of plan? I I had I had a plan, and I was going to graduate and go become a librarian. Going to go to Wayland Baptist College in Plainview. None of that happened. Okay, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, I still love to read books, but yeah, you know, life has a way of getting in the way or changing or anything. So I, I uh, got married when I was a senior in high school, and okay. and, and we had our first daughter um, later that year, and and uh, and that was in 1976, and okay. so I graduated in 77, and and 
we moved to Canyon after that and lived lived there for a while. And then my husband loves to travel, and he's he, so we've lived in several different states. And then in 1999, we moved back to Amarillo. And okay, tell me about moving back. Like, what facilitated coming back home? A lot of it was just my parents were getting older, and my sister and my mom had started at Texas Ivy Antiques in 97, and so um, they uh, were needed a little help, and we it was, just felt like it was time to return to Amarillo, so this is where we came back to. And, okay. And, uh, had, had you had experience doing anything like that? I mean, did you have um, a career in retail or anything like that before you came back? No, I'm not really. I worked, at, you know, for the uh, school system as a uh, in the lunchroom. I loved working with okay. the children, you know, and, and uh, I did stuff with that. But I know my main jobs had just made. I worked in a pottery, you know, and stuff like that. Mine were just not. I didn't have a career, not like most people do. And tell me this: coming back to Amarillo after having grown up here, but then coming back as an adult after you'd had this entire life, you know, living in other places. Um, did it make you look at the city a different way? You know, you, you left and then came back. Had a lot changed? We were gone for about 10 years. And okay. I had a, a lot had changed. And I think you come back with a new appreciation because you've seen places that have trees. You've lived in places that have mountains. I mean, you've lived, you, you've experienced a whole lot of different things. And when you come back, you have an appreciation for what is here or isn't here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because... Yes, we don't have trees, but yet we have wide open spaces. And you miss that when you're in the mountains or, mm-hmm. and especially if you're at least a bit claustrophobic or anything. So, um, yeah, the, the trees can block the sunset. Without can. a lot of trees, you can see the horizon. <laughs> exactly. Tell me about coming back um, and then starting up with the family business. You know, what, what got your, your parents into the antique business? Well, mainly my mom. Okay. My, dad, my dad just thinks it's stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> He, like I was saying earlier, he had his business on Route 66 in the old filling mm-hmm. station. And there was a little house next door. And when the lady um, had to uh, go to a nursing home, he purchased the house. And my brother lived there for a while, and they did different things. But uh, after my brother moved down to Victoria, um, my dad told my mom, why don't you just have the antique store you always wanted? And so her and my older sister, Linda, started it in 1997. And uh, uh, my older sister has always had a real job, a real career, and she's worked. Uh, so my mom needed help, so I mm-hmm. just started helping her, and then the rest is history. <laughs> I've I've always been interested in the antiques business because like you said, it's not just stuff. You have to have some knowledge to know what stuff is worth something or what is collectible or what stuff other people think is important. And you didn't really have a history in that, I guess. So how did you learn that side of the business? Mainly from our mother. I mean, and our mother knowledge was in China and, you know, sets of dishes and stuff like that. So that's mainly what, when she started, she sold um, dishes and and Route 66 items just okay. because it was Route 66. And we've had to, over the years, we've had to expand that because as when society changes, um, people don't use dish sets. Yeah. That it's not something that people want when they get married anymore. And yeah, things. formal so, dining is not a thing for most it, people. It is not anymore. So dish sets stop selling. So okay. you just, ex- and 
I mean, every every antique business does, you know, everything changes. And so you just learn, again, like you said, what people want, what, mm-hmm. what they're interested in. So, you know, you spread, you widen what you uh, carry and stuff. And so, you know, we w- went into more furniture and stuff. And we've always uh, dealt with uh, unpainted, you know, natural f- wood furniture. Okay. And so um, we have a lot of people that will buy pieces and then paint them. Okay. So, you know, that's always been good for us. But, yeah, I mean, so now we're more an eclectic, just like about every antique store. You just have a little bit of everything. Right, instead and, of a specialty like right, China. exactly. I, I'm interested in that, that, that there are trends even in antiques, which is fun to think about because these are old things, but there's a new focus or fascination with those things. I mean, what are some of the trends yeah, every, happening right now, like, that you're aware of? Every generation takes, you know, takes an interest in something like uh, mid-century modern has mm-hmm. become a big thing. So things from the fifties, sixties, you know, seventies, that's all come back that, you know, the, anything that's uh, unique, um, the, the blown glass pieces that okay. were made back, you know, in the sixties and seventies are uh, people like, and the grapes that you used to, everybody, you, their grandmother had a set on their, right. those glass grapes on your coffee table. Those have, you know, come back. People but those become those. trendy because that people remember it from their grandparents. I think right? that's, I think that's a lot of it. It's just yeah. nostalgia, you know? Well, and, then you've, you've reached the age where the items people are looking for from the sixties and seventies or when, you know, you were growing up, right. which, is, so, which gives us a little And bit I'm just more. about 10 years away from that myself, you know, so, so it's yeah, funny it's, to see the things that you love as a kid treated as antiques by a new generation. Right. And so, you know, it's supposedly to be an antique, it has to be a hundred years old is the rule. But so most like Texas Ivy, we're pro- probably rated more as collector okay. than antique, but, you know, we still say we're an antique store because we do have some, but so, um. One thing I'm interested in, you being on 6th Street on Historic Route 66, you're not the only antique store. There's a lot. But I know that everybody on 6th Street kind of works together. There's a real good camaraderie um, between the different stores, although you're kind of in competition with each other. How, how do you think about that, you and the other retailers? Well, in, in my opinion, because there are so many of us, it draws people. People know they can come to 6th Street, the locals know they can come to 6th Street and, you know, visit 15, 20, 25 shops. Right. And people who are travelers, when they see our brochure map or something, they say, wow, we can go there and spend all day, you know, and not have to drive around and stop even park and walk. So actually, I think it benefits us all. And so I always feel like there's always room for one more. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even though we're all antique stores, each one has its own personality, just like, you know, each owner's different so that their shop takes on that quality. And so even though you can sure find, a, you know, probably the same car Avon bottle in every single one of our shops, you'll also find stuff in every shop that's, that no one else has. Okay. Just just because it, antiques are not mass produced necessarily. Right. Tell me how you find the products that you sell. I imagine it's it's similar for a lot of antique shop owners, but for people that don't know that world, how how do you get products? Yeah, well, um, we you know do auctions and um, estate sales, and we have people that come by and you know give us the opportunity to buy something that they've come across or something, or and we people call and say their grandparent 
passed away or whatever, and they have some antiques that they would like you to look at and stuff like that. So, and once in a while, another antique business, you know, will go out or whatever, and so you can, you know, okay. purchase stuff from them. And, Are you traveling outside this area to find things? Usually, I make trips to Missouri and Oklahoma, and uh, my sister, now that she's retired, she does a lot more traveling and stuff, and they do a lot of world traveling, so she picks up some unique okay. items that she can, little smalls that she yeah, can Yeah, you're not back. hauling a trailer no. or anything like that. <laughs> One of the things I know about Texas Ivy is that you went through a fire. It was Last just, year? It was last year. Last year? Okay. Tell me about that and what happened. Um, on August 23rd, 2022, we had a fire, and uh, they said it was electrical, but it between the the fire, the smoke, and uh, the water, we pretty much lost our entire inventory. Hmm. And because it was an electrical fire, we had to redo all the electrical, which meant we had to, you know, take all the walls right. down. It was everything. an old, like how old was, the, was house the house? was 102 years old. Okay. It was built in 1921. We thought it would, I thought it would take about four months, and it took about nine months total wow. for us to, to get, redo all the to get back interior? up and running. How much damage did the house itself suffer? The house itself did, I mean, besides the inside, the the structure itself, one window burned. And we were, because they had built, when my dad retired, he had built a shop on the back of Texas Ivy. So we had a window that matched all the other windows that wasn't serving a purpose anymore. So we were able to take that window out and replace the burnt one. So it kept hmm. its historic integrity. Oh, that's And that's so great. It, it really, you wouldn't know yeah. that it has been, re, you know, replaced because that still matches So everything. the rest of it was like smoke damage on the inside, um, smoke and water damage to, yeah, and, to all of your stuff, though. Yeah, we, like, yeah. There was, people did fundraisers for us. They donated to us. I mean, um, people... Uh, with skills, came and helped us with the sheetrock. And I mean, we had so much help from the community, not just Amarillo community, but the whole Route 66 community. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, without all that help, because we didn't have insurance. And so um, without the, all that help and donations, we probably would still be working, trying to get, you know, everything taken care of. So, so um, we were blessed and appreciative of all that. When when were you able to reopen? We we reopened on June first, okay. just right before, before the, the, festival. the festival. Yes. So so I mean we didn't have a whole lot, and that's another thing. A lot of the other businesses donated items to us to sell. Really? Yes. That's... And so, like you said, I mean camaraderie. I'm not good with big words. No, I, I think I think that's how you say it. <laughs> um, but uh, don't try to Sixth spell Street, it though. Yeah. No. <laughs> on Sixth Street, I think everybody's willing to help anybody that needs help. One of my big questions was how do you replenish inventory when it's an antique shop? Because you can't just go online and reorder all the things that you had from a big company like Amazon or a distributor. Everything's been found piece by piece. So beyond, you know, maybe having a few things that, that your, you know, your friends and colleagues had provided, how do you, how do you restock? Well, again, we were, lucky lucky or blessed that not too long before the fire had happened we uh purchased the inventory of an antique store that was going out and we were in the process of trying to uh, go through that because it's not all sellable stuff when you first get it you know so so we had 
some of that. So we were, again, we were lucky. I mean, the store is not near as full as it was mm -hmm. after 26 years, but that's why I told my sister, uh, Linda, I said, we have another 26 years to collect items. So we were given a chance to have the store look completely different, and mm -hmm. it does. I mean, as far, we didn't, we didn't change the layout of the house because it is a house. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath house. And uh, so that all stayed the same, but it's more open. Um, we didn't put 26 years' worth of stuff back right. in it. So it's more airy. You can see the floors. We were able to save all the hardwood floors. We pulled the wood from the bathroom floors to replace the burnt ones in the living room. And uh, then we painted the bathroom floor fun. And so... Um, it's just, it's got a totally different feel. And everybody that has, you know, known us for over the years and stuff, they've all come in and said how wonderful it mm -hmm. looks and stuff. So that, that is interesting to me because you, you talk about the character of a store. And when people think about any antique store, like they, like the clutter is part of the charm. You know, it's years and years of just accumulating things. And, you know, you have to dig through it to find stuff and having one that is a little cleaner and simpler, like that does kind of stand out. You know, among your peers, I guess. It, it does. And we've had a few people say, oh, the digging was my, you know, the best part of stuff. But right now, I, honestly, I think people can see stuff better mm -hmm. that they couldn't otherwise. Because, I mean, um, but everything's been positive. You know, the reactions and stuff. And people understand that we don't, you know, you can't just fill it up overnight like right. it was. So I, a lot of people, you know, comment on how uncluttered it is okay. i guess so, yeah it, so maybe it's the it new generation attention. of of the new shopper mm -hmm. is maybe more appreciative of not having so much to look at because the younger society is more minimalistic minimalist yeah yes right they want a little more space i exactly. guess around so maybe the... this helps them feel more comfortable okay I don't know. that's really interesting um, one of the things that I've appreciated about Sixth Street and, and knowing, you know, just hearing from you personally, how everybody kind of works together there, but the last couple of years, there's been a real focus and let's bring everybody together and let's, let's draw some greater attention to Sixth Street. You know, the, the Route 66 festival was a really big deal, uh, early this summer. I know that there's an event coming up this fall, like in October, like tell me about how Sixth Street works together to draw people to this district. We all do it in our own way, yet when we all do it, there's enough advertising going on by each individual that it, it comes out to be a whole because we don't necessarily advertise together, you know, about come to 6th Street. Sure. I mean, we have our brochure map, but but um, with each person doing their, you know, making sure their business is getting noticed and they're, you know, bringing their people to, and then those people you know, just spread out and go different places. Right. So if the we, cumulative effect is much larger than you could do just by yourself. Exactly. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. The more shops and more businesses that we have on 6th Street, the better it is for mm -hmm. everybody, even though they might be, you know, we might have, you know, 12 restaurants. It's okay because they're all different, you know, and, and or if it's 25 antique shops, we're all a little bit different. So, Tell me what the, the festival was like being part of that. Oh, it was, I mean, the turnout was fantastic. Of course, you know, when you don't uh, charge a gate fee or something, you never know for sure. sure how many people you had. But we were thinking around 20,000 people is what I think the CBB numbers were. And uh, it was it was fantastic. And they did uh, the whole week of build up by, you know, doing different places in Texas and stuff. Mm -hmm. So our part here in Amarillo, I mean, 
I don't think there was any negative report. I mean, you know, some little things that need to be tweaked, uh, you know. Sure, it was like, the first time we'd exactly. ever done anything like that. And, you know, we're going to, like, pull the uh, maybe pull the cars out of the parking lot and have it actually on car show on the street and things like that that can grow it a little bit make it a little bit better and uh but it was fantastic and you know it was our first one because we're building up to the 100 year anniversary in 2026 of route 66 so so just i would say look for it to get bigger and better every year because i think it's gonna gonna happen i think so tell me tell me about the the travelers who come through who you know walk into your your shop uh, because they are touring Route 66, they're making their way through Amarillo. They want to go to Historic Six. And what kind of conversations do you have with them? Where are they coming from? Tell me, tell me about those people. Well, we get people from all over the world. I mean, um, we had some people. You know, this week they've been from Ireland, England, Dubai. Um, just, I mean, just everywhere. And it, they're all very happy to be here. Hmm. And so, you it meets know, their expectations, I guess, of what they're most they're all the for. time they have, they're happy. I mean, there's always a little bit of 66 where you, you can't find it. It got mm-hmm. lost, you know, but they're all expecting that. I think just from doing their research and, and, you know, Facebook and conversations and stuff, but they're all happy. I think that's our job as the businesses or the, the visitor center, whoever they visit, to make sure we tell them how much we appreciate them being here. Mm-hmm. Because for those two years when they weren't here, I mean, they were sorely missed. Yeah. I mean, you know, not just the money they brought, but just their kindness and and their enthusiasm. They're seeing things totally different than what we see it because they're seeing a freedom that they don't necessarily have. Okay. And, um, like they love ghost towns because a lot of places in Europe, there's not a place where no one's never not lived. Right. I mean, so they everything's way older there, yeah. but like, but they've always, you don't have the space there. to yeah. abandon yeah. a place, right? Yeah. Like we have, so, do um, they, do they come looking for, I mean, I'm thinking of somebody, let's say from Dubai stops at an antique place like yours. Uh, they're not going to buy a big piece of furniture or anything, but are they looking for a Route 66 memorabilia? Or are they looking for something that's Texas because this is the most prominent Texas stop? And what kinds of things are they hoping to find? I think they come for Route 66, and a lot of them were part of the uh, Route 66 passport, which is an eight-state okay. little booklet that you stop along the way at businesses who who have paid to be in the book, and you get a stamp and usually a free gift of some type. You know, we give a magnet away. And so a lot of them have that book, and so they're coming for their stamp. And, uh, you know, they usually buy something small, like a magnet or, you know, something that'll fit in their suitcase. They love license plates. Okay. You know, so th- those are always, if you can, you know, have some of those that fit in their suitcase easy, you know, just small things like that. But a lot of them come now, I'm not sure about, you know, when it first started, but now they come to visit the people. Hmm. Because one of the main things that just about every visitor says Especially, I mean, in Texas, they'll tell us, y'all are so friendly. Everybody's so friendly. Hmm. Everybody's nice. So they want to have conversations with you. Yes. I mean, you know, they they want to. And they're always smiling. I mean, they're Hmm. always happy. Does that surprise you that you get to be a part of that, like a, a representative of this area for somebody from Ireland, you know, who's coming through? It does. I mean, it's... It's an honor, and yet you wonder how you got so lucky to be that person, okay. you know, because... It's a lot of pressure, though. You know, if you're having a bad day, <laughs> you don't want to be a, a bad 
impression well, of no. Texas, you know. And that's, I guess, that's the main thing I would tell people to work for. You know, remember, this is your your one moment in their in their great vacation, and you want to give them the best experience you can. Be happy for the time they're there, and mm -hmm. then you can, you know, be mad later after they leave <laughs> or whatever. But because once in a while you'll hear of that a traveler say, well, you know, somebody did this or somebody did that. Mm. And so they had Shop a bad Shop owner was grouchy. Right, and yeah. they had a bad experience. And you don't want to hear that. And you sure don't want to be that one. Exactly. So, so I think with that in the back of your mind, you're always willing to give them that, you know, their minute or, or five minutes of, you know, happiness because it doesn't cost you anything. Tell me about the concert coming up that Route 66 is it's part of. It's our Rockerillo 66 it's going to be great. We have six bands that will be playing throughout. We've got music from noon to midnight okay. um, on Saturday, October 21st. And they will be playing at um, the venues already on 6th Street. Um, Karma will be playing at Rayburn Studio from 12 to 2. And then we have the Thai Blackburn Band will be from 2 to 5 at Smokey Joe's. The Boss Texas Band will be from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Handlebar and Grill. And Dude Man, which is our headliner, they'll be at uh, the Texas Route 66 Visitor Center um, from 7 to 9 at the after party that they'll be having down there. So that'll be fun. And Scrambled Eggs will be at uh, Smoky Joe's from 8 to 11 p.m. And then the Jack Criver Band will be at the Broken Spoke from 9 to whenever to finish okay, the day Okay, so off. it's a it's a full afternoon and evening bands, kind of one after another at different places. And all along, free. All free. Uh, all, okay. all free to attend, yes. Right. And uh, the fundraiser for the association for our October event is we, we're selling our Rockerilla uh, bags, and it's a uh, reusable bag. We're selling them for $10, and you can purchase them at Alley Cat's. Ant Eeks, Texas Ivy, and the Texas Route 66 Visitor Center. And um, when you purchase your bag, you'll get your car, your stamp card, that, and you'll be able to visit 14 other businesses and get a free gift from okay. all the businesses. So for your $10, you get 14 free gifts plus the reusable bag. Okay, so an event like this, obviously it brings people to Historic Six, which you always want. Um, it's also a fundraiser. Like, tell me, tell me how those funds are used like like how does the association you know well, make use of that we're a 501 c6 association association the historic sixth on route 66 association and so our main focus is to promote business okay and so um our brochure maps is our number one thing that we do with our funds those are mailed out to the different visitor centers that ask for them and of course given out by any business that wants to have some in all our past events, um, we've been able to um, partner with an, an, another nonprofit. A lot of times it was this uh, San Jacinto Elementary School okay. and the Hill of the City uh, a couple of times. Because this is this is the first year you've done Rockerillo. Is yes. it, I mean, is the intention for it to be an annual thing? Yes, that's... we will try to continue okay. it, yes, every year. I think people, I think Amarillo has shown that they really like the the concert festival sort of idea you know whether it's hoodoo music fest or or something like this that that having a lot of bands even if they're scattered you know up and down several blocks of, of sixth is it's something that draws people and, and some everybody wants more live music here right and since it's close to halloween we're um 
we're encouraging people to wear their costume okay. if they want to. And we're going to have a really big kids area with different uh, activities. This will be the, we've always had a kids area. This will be the first time we've had a big kids area. And I mean, with lots of different things. And, and uh, so we're really looking forward to that and hoping a lot of kids will come and, you know, be dressed in their costume yeah, or whatever, just to give them an extra time to wear their costume before Halloween. Okay. So. The, the last thing I wanted to ask in this section is just, you know, you, you like had the first half of your life and you did a lot of traveling. You lived into some different places. The last, I don't, I don't know, two decades plus, you've ended up a part of something like Route 66 and the historic district, the antiques world, you know, like tell me, tell me what it's like that so much of your work right now has become associated with Route 66. Was it was it something on your radar before you kind of came back here? Uh, you've had to become an expert on it, I guess. Uh, it was, yeah. No, it really wasn't on our radar before this. <laughs> um, but I've learned a lot from uh, a lot of the people that, you know, came before me on 66, like, uh, Bob Lyle and and uh, Delbert True, from, you know he's a, a big Route sixty six person. There's just so many of them, and you you learn from all of them, and it just I mean, really, it just grows on you. I guess it would just once if you're a Route sixty six, what we call roadie, then you're um, it's ingrained in you, and and you know you just love it, and it does become a focus. I guess you you tend to do more Route sixty six stuff than other stuff, mm-hmm. you know. This episode is supported by attorney Dean Boyd, and I've got a personal story to go along with it. My son Owen was in a pretty bad wreck at Texas A&M right after we dropped him off for his sophomore year of college. The wreck wasn't his fault, but he got broadsided by another driver and it rolled his car. He had to climb out the sunroof. Now he walked away from the wreck, and we're grateful for that. But Owen's car was totaled and he was left with a shoulder injury. So one of our first calls was to Dean Boyd's office. Dean had been a guest on this podcast back in 2019. I knew his story, but it wasn't until Owen became a client that I really understood what he does and how meaningful it is. So working with Dean's office was amazing. They treated Owen really well. They answered our questions. They made the process seamless. And they were able to negotiate a settlement that covered our son's medical bills and satisfied all of us. So for us as parents, Dean's office was a lifeline during a really stressful time. So I I, I just can't say enough good things about the law office of attorney Dean Boyd. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit deanboyd.com or call him at 806-242-3333. Okay, I'm back with Dora Maroney. Uh, Dora, this is part of the show I call 8 Straight. 8 Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and it's known for its educational programs, in addition to uh, all of the cool old stuff that the museum has. Over the summer, 69 kids attended educational summer camps at PPHM, including a hands-on STEAM camp and a really popular camp called Boulders, Brands, and Bones. You can learn more at panhandleplains.org. I would imagine somebody like you who who loves old items just kind of goes crazy at a museum like that. They've got so much stuff that you would love to have in your shop, I bet. Yeah, they do. They do, uh, And uh, we do send a lot of people to the museum on, on the way to Powder Canyon or, you know, we always tell them about it. Okay, let's uh, let's get into these questions. When you think of Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? I hope for that our city has can get a handle on the homelessness and 
have a better plan on the infrastructure. I know okay. right now we're, you know, we're struggling with our infrastructure and, and the cleaner neighborhoods. And that's something that a lot of people are working towards. Yeah. I, I know there's been on all those things, actually, there's, there's been progress in the past yeah. few years. We're making progress now. You just kind of hope that that continues. continues. Um, okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? Homelessness. We, okay. we, it's something that we, you know, as a community, we have to work together to figure out the solution because i don't know the answer but i don't i don't either and there's 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 some good ideas like transformation park you know that are that are in the works uh, that i i hope have a, a good impact on it do you, do you see a lot of homeless people like does we do sixth street it, it as a thoroughfare do you have a lot of people kind of traveling through yes and um unfortunately you know um destruction and you mm-hmm. know um they just you know they bother the travelers and stuff, you know, so, so it is, it is a concern for uh, us as businesses. I hope the mayor's new thing about donating to the um, organizations that help the homeless panhandling rather than giving them money will help, will help uh, curtail some of that, you know, because it, um, unfortunately it is a problem and it's something we have to deal with every day. Okay. Yeah. I can imagine. What does this area not have enough of? Community involvement in, in, whether it be your neighborhood uh, association or, you know, things that the city is trying to do. Just we have a lot of people that have a lot of ideas and, and a lot of input, but they don't always um, put it in the right place, I guess. Right. It, Facebook's not always the right place. Yes. <laughs> I, I love when people have opinions, but opinions that are educated. Uh, where, where it's not just, it's an opinion where they know what they're talking about because they've been involved, they've gotten involved, they've volunteered, they've served on boards, whatever. Um, it's important for people to do that sort of thing. It is very important. And in our San Jacinto Neighborhood Association, we need uh, people from our neighborhood coming to our meetings and, you know, because they're the ones that we're there for. And mm-hmm. without knowing, you know, we want to help them and we have, you know, we have funds that we are allowed to spend from the city and the county. But we need their input in how do you want us to spend right, that money, right? You know, and not be mad later. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Okay, what's your favorite local coffee or tea shop? Well, Handlebar and Grill across the street from Texas Ivy has the best iced tea in town, as far okay. as I'm concerned. Okay. That's where I my go-to iced tea. Now, Mimi's Cafe and the uh, Coffee Fix. Uh, yeah, are both you know for hot tea. Those, those are my go-to places. Okay. So. I've not been to the Coffee Fix on Sixth Street. Oh, it's cool. it's one of those uh, holes in my Amarillo education that kind of <laughs> exists. I, so I need to go check them out. Yeah, and okay. they do have all they have flavors of coffee too. But I'm not a coffee drinker. Okay, so. got it. <laughs> What's your favorite local restaurant or food truck? Well, there again, it would be the Handlebar and Mimi. I don't get off Sixth Street a lot. Okay, so you I, just you just because I do live it all in there. San Jacinto. I work in San Jacinto, so so mine are like the Handlebar and Mimi's, and then uh, Smoky Joe's. If I get that far down the street, it's Smoky Joe's. I know Amarillo has a lot of you know great restaurants, uh, but those are mine. <laughs> no, you're you're in the perfect place to experience really good food. What's the most underrated thing about living in Amarillo? I think, and this is coming from what we were talking about earlier, the travelers telling me how friendly everybody is. Okay. I don't think we realize that we're thought of as such a friendly place and so how important it is for us to keep that up by trying to be friendly to any, you know, to, to just about anybody because hmm. you never know who you're talking to. All right. That's a really good point. 
When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? Actually, it was a year ago this week when we were on the motor tour and to actually spray my name on the car. Okay. But uh, it was about a couple months ago. I stopped and just took pictures from the gate. I didn't walk all the way to the Cadillac. Okay. And then uh, last question, what's one local nonprofit you appreciate? Well, this was hard because I belong to three nonprofit associations that we were talking about earlier. But uh, I would say since the Convention and Visitor Bureau is now a nonprofit, I would choose them just because they have the opportunity to promote everything in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing a good job at trying to, to do that. Okay. So that okay. would be my choice. All right. Uh, last question, Dora, is I like to give my guests the opportunity to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? I don't know if it's much, how much of an endorsement it is, but shop as many of the small mom and pop businesses in Amarillo as you can. And we have so many, I don't know how many Amarillo has. It would be an interesting thing to find out. In our, in our mileage stretch of what they call historic district that we're on, we have nearly a hundred mom and pop businesses. So you can imagine how many the whole town of Amarillo has. So if we all supported them, it would be, um, it would be wonderful. I mean, Yes, because that money all, stays here. Yes. It's not going off to right. California or Washington State. Right. or and we know everybody's going to shop at Walmart and all the, the big name places. But just be sure once in a while that you're, or if you, every time, time you get a chance, eat at a mom and pop or shop at a mom and pop and pay that little bit extra maybe that okay. it costs you. That's great. Dora, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having us. We appreciate it. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks again to Dora for the interview. You can learn more about the Rockerillo event this Saturday at Amarillo66.com. That's Amarillo66.com. Or you can find Texas Ivy at 3511 Southwest 6. It's the cute little ivy-covered house next to the church. Thanks also to Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries, Attorney Dean Boyd, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting this podcast. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Josh Wood, Barbara and Jim Witten, and Cindy Graham. This has been episode 323. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.